people like us don't do things like that. People like us with our low self-esteem, our lack of confidence, our imposter syndrome, our insecurities about what other people think, about how we're not good enough, talented enough, clever enough, or lucky enough. We don't realize grand visions. We don't start companies. We don't take on massive projects. We don't change the world. We leave that sort of thing to the others, the, the successful, the charismatic, the gifted, those other people who are not like us. But what if they were exactly like us? What if those people over there doing the big things, taking on the big challenges, realizing the visions and changing the world, what if they were exactly like us, filled with insecurities, struggling to keep the faith, wrestling with how to face the day, yet facing it nonetheless? This is Conversations on Living, a podcast about how to be well, do well and live well. And today I'm talking with Richard Hardiman, who is the founder and CEO of Ran Marine. His company makes aquatic robots, automated drones that go into the sea in ports and harbours and clear up the plastic and other waste that's polluting the water. You'd imagine that someone like Richard, who has started a company that is tackling one of the biggest issues of the moment, would have a bulletproof confidence and certainty about what he's doing. But as Richard reveals in this brutally honest and open conversation, is that just like me, and maybe just like you too, facing the day, getting out of bed, keeping the wheels turning and keeping the vision alive can take a Herculean effort. And for me, knowing that and hearing it from someone who's doing such big things is hugely empowering. Yes, for some of us, getting out of bed and turning up takes a huge amount of strength. Yes, for some of us, the self-doubt can be crippling. But yes, we can still do immense and incredibly impactful things. If you want to find out more about Ran Marine and what they're doing, you can check out their website at ranmarine.io. And just before we get into this conversation, just a quick word about Plane, like I say every week. Plane is the meditation game. If you're interested in mindfulness and getting into meditation but don't know where to start and video games are your thing, then you should definitely check out Plane. It encourages you to embrace some basic mindfulness and meditation techniques by building and nurturing a beautiful island landscape. You can find it at plane.co, that's P-L-A-Y-N-E.co, or you can search for it on Google. Just search for meditation game, and it should be one of the first results to pop up. And also just a word about this podcast, Conversations on Living. If you want to find out more about some of the conversations we've had about how to overcome those inner obstacles that kind of keep us from realizing who we are and who we came here to be, then check out uh, conversationsonliving.com where you can find all the other episodes. And don't forget to rate, review and subscribe wherever you get it, whether it's Apple, iTunes or whatever platform. Uh, give us a shout, subscribe and you know, keep the flame alive and share it with your friends as well. And if you want to carry on the conversation, there's also a Facebook group. So head over to Conversations on Living. Just search for it on Facebook. Okay, and now time to get into this incredibly inspiring and vulnerable and open conversation with the amazing Richard Hardiman. So Richard, thank you for coming on the podcast and joining me. You're the founder of uh, Ran Marine and you create kind of ecological products 
products, uh, drones that clear up harbors, pick up waste uh, from the waters um, uh, around harbors, beaches, that kind of thing. And it sounds like you you have your whole life you've been quite close to the sea and that kind of thing. And we were we were kind of hoping to talk today about how you can turn something that is important to you, something that is really deeply connected to your values into something tangible, especially in the modern world, you know, where we have to pay our bills and make a living. And, you know, there's, there's this kind of notion that if we're doing something connected to our values, then somehow we have to sacrifice for that, you know, like the, the starving artist or the, um, you know, the, the aid worker who, you know, can't, um, you know, have a decent sized house or can't kind of, you know, have a, a, a nice lifestyle, that kind of thing. But it doesn't need to be that way. So maybe we could just get a little bit of background about how, you know, Ran Marine came about, where, where you kind of came up with the idea and how you turned that into something very real. Sure. So I, I started my life in, in media and as a journalist, and, and, and so I know the, the starving artist thing um, <laughs> uh, resonates well with me. Um, I was actually in radio at the time uh, when I came up with this idea, but I, I'd taken myself off. I was about 35, 36 and decided to go back to university um, and study a business degree. Um, I'd always... Radio came quite easily to me, and I felt I wasn't being challenged enough. And I've always had side businesses, little kind of like, you know, things, things on the side to keep me challenged. Um, but by the time I got 36, and I had um, one son and another one on the way, um, which is a very inopportune time to go and study, um, as my wife would tell you. Um, but I, I, I decided to go and study, and where I was studying was the, the Graduate School of Business uh, in Cape Town, which is right on the waterfront. Um, it's, it's a very sort of touristy area, uh, a lot of water, a lot of tourists, and um, because of that, um, a lot of that results in a lot of plastic in the water, you know, um, takeaway packets and, and, and you know, cans and, and bottles and that's so on and so forth. And one morning before class, I was just having a cup of coffee, um, just trying to get my head around the day and that kind of thing. And, and I saw these these guys in front of me on a boat with um, pool nets, and they were trying to take out this detritus that was in the water. And anyone who knows Cape Town knows that we had very strong winds and the wind was blowing and the waves were there and these guys were bobbing up and down on their diesel-powered boat trying to catch this rubbish. And they weren't being very effective at it. Um, not their fault, but the tools that they had at the time were just not, not correct. Um, valiant effort, but, but, you know, sort of failing at every... Um, it seemed to me to be failing. And I knew nothing about the waste management side. I knew nothing about the, the plastic pollution side. What, what interested me was the inefficiency of what they were trying to solve. And I could quite clearly see that there was a lot of plastic, a lot of rubbish in that water. But the tool they were using was inefficient. And I, I have an artist mother and an engineer father, so somewhere I kind of line up in between. I'm a great dreamer, but also I have a, a sort of solid idea of how the Lego bricks go together. And I started playing around with them um, on the back of a napkin while I was there doodling. And, and how, how would I solve this problem? Not that I was interested in, in the problem, but I, it was a nice little challenge for myself. And, and then I went off to class, and I, but the, the idea wouldn't leave me. I did, and it stayed with me, I, I, honestly, for about 12 months. How would you solve the problem? What would you do? And then I started doing the research and saw how much plastic was actually in the ocean and, and where it was coming from. I just assumed people were chucking plastic over the edge of a uh, side of a boat or something like that. Um, sorry. I don't know if you can hear that now. <laughs> That's all right. No, carry on. And um, it, turned, it turned out that most of it was coming out of areas like where I was sitting at, at, at that time of day. Um, you know, it, it was, the plastic was coming from land. And then I thought, well, how would I solve this? Now, now, there's, now that, that created like a sort of like a, a sort of 
impetus to, to solve this problem for me. And I came up with the idea of, again, a sort of life imitating art, but I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Wally, um, this little robot that sort of stays on Earth and cleans up the crap that um, uh, humans have left behind and humans have just gone into space in search of a better world because they've screwed this one up so, so well. And uh, Wally was just left behind his little compacting robot. And I thought, well, what if I made a robot for water? Um, and then that kind of sparked a few ideas. And then I, I came up with an idea of how I would do it, but I had no clue how to do it. So I started building a prototype in my garage um, using PVC plumbing pipe and flotation devices. And I, I stole the, the electrical switchway from, uh, from one of my, my kids' sort of, um, electric bikes, and, which he has never forgiven me for. Um, but I managed to cobble it together. And I managed to work in, in South Africa. We have swimming pools and I tested it out there and, and kind of it worked. I connected to my phone. I thought, well, wow, if, if I can do this, I can find someone i'm a great believer in that i know that i don't know everything but i know i can find a person who might know what i'm after and if i could find somebody who understood robotics better than me and i could understand somebody who understood nautical movement and how things move through water i could probably cobble this together and if i could act as a ringmaster you know i, I could be on something and of course I, I sort of buried my finances in that um and then and wasn't able to get any further in cape town and i got invited i'm sorry i'm giving you the long wind no it's great <laughs> long story. but i had this amazing experience where somebody in holland phoned me up and said um we have this maritime innovations um uh, accelerator that we're starting up and we'd love you to be a part of it and come and pitch your idea and see if you can get into it and very weird how it all worked out but i ended up here in rotterdam um and I pitched my idea and I made it through 200 applicants at the time and down into the top 10. And then I said, fine, we, we start in two weeks and you need to come move to Rotterdam for three months. And I was like, oh, I didn't realize that was part of the um, part of the equation. So packed up my bags and I moved to Rotterdam. And when I got here, I realized that I've been operating with a, a sort of African mindset of, of trying to make something work in a, in a country at the time that wasn't looking at plastic waste, wasn't looking at robotics. They were you know, Africa has, has far greater problems at the time to solve. Here, though, they understood what I was trying to do. And I started meeting the right people and I started getting the right investment and the right, the right sort of people around me to build it out. And, and that's where we went from, you know, and eventually I, I kind of decided that I'm going to move here. Um, so for the first four years, I, I went backwards and forwards until we were making enough money to warrant me sort of moving me and my family across um, completely. And that's how we landed up in Rotterdam and, and sort of surrounded by innovation hubs and roboticists and engineers and, and marine um, marine guys who, who understood you know what needed to be done and, and I built it from there I, I kind of like I had the idea I, I knew what the puzzle needed to look like but I didn't have the pieces and I, I just sort of gradually found the right team members to 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 put it all in place how much of this is um because I, I mean I go through my daily life and I, I kind of Sometimes when something doesn't work right for me, or there's something which just seems incredibly inefficient, just in, in my day to day, I kind of think to myself, there's a business opportunity there, or there's something that needs dealing with, or if someone was clever enough, they could deal with that. But I mean, how much does it need to get under your skin for you to actually say, I'm actually going to start building something in my in my shed that potentially could deal with this? I think it's inefficient. I hate inefficiency. It drives me around the bend. Um, and I have a thousand ideas a day and I don't, I don't act on, I, I'm very quick. I think um, one of my, my skills is to analyze a problem very quickly and see whether I'm interested in solving that or not, or has it been solved already? Yeah. I, kind of, I, I do a very quick scan in my head and go, you know what, actually it's, it's not worth my time, effort and energy, or there is something else there. Yeah. And this one, I couldn't find anything. 
And that's that's what and that's what stuck with me. Um, uh, and I, look, I, I make no bones about the fact I think naivety played a huge huge role in it as well. Because if I if I knew what the actual journey looked like, I don't think I would have I would have taken the next step. Um, but I had an idea of how to solve this problem, and I, I knew I could make it a business. I didn't want to make it a, an NGO. I didn't want to make it. I needed to employ myself. You know, at the end of the day, everyone everyone needs to um, pay the rent or pay the bond. So I. I, I saw this as an opportunity and I couldn't believe no one else had got this. So I knew from my radio days that if I could make enough, if I could make it enough of an interesting story for people to go, wow, this could be incredible. And I could get the narrative right. I knew I could probably get the funding and the interest. And from there I could, I could play it through. Um, it, I'm, I'm speaking very linear now. I mean, it, the, yeah. the, the journey was an absolute roller coaster and still in advance, but um, everyone has ideas to get an idea through to execution and action and then, make a business out of it, those are the difficult steps. I, I think that's what scares most people. Um, and I, I think, you know, kind of you, you sit at your desk, I, I've worked in corporates and you sit at your desk and I, I kind of, I look around, I'm, I'm thinking, I love the salary, but this is not for me. Yeah. But I'm sitting next to a guy who, who loves his job, doesn't want it, he doesn't want it risk. He doesn't want it, he, he loves it. He loves his salary, he loves, you know, goes home at the end of the day. Someone else is taking care of the risk. Um, and I wanted a bit more risk and a bit more challenge. Uh, and I, I think not everyone, do. you need the people who sit at their desk and do their job because they execute so beautifully for you. But you need to sometimes come with that idea and say, listen, this is what I want done. And I go, great. I just want the salary and I want to execute on this. Uh, and you need to run behind the scenes and make sure the salary gets paid. Um, but, but the execution part is critical. Yeah. I mean, there, there are two things that kind of strike me. You, you talked about risk there because, I mean, you were already, you already had a salary. You already had money coming in. And, you know, was there a, I mean, presumably you didn't just abandon all of that and go on this crazy, you know, quest to build something in your shed. There must have been kind of a, a decent overlap at some point where you, you kind of took an educated leap into the darkness. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I would never advise anybody just <laughs> going out and going, cool, I'm going to do this because it does take time to, to build up. a. But I, I was comfortable with the risk. Um, I was, I, I knew what I needed and I think this is this is a lot of you you're comfortable because you get a big salary and things are paid for. And I went, what would I be comfortable with to to make everything move enough right now, knowing where I want to go to? But what would I be comfortable with that? And and that and that really is sort of dialing down, you know, a lot of things. You know, kind of it's it's paying school fees, paying the rent, and and eating. You know, kind of outside of that, you know, you really got to sort of shrink it a little bit. And there was a there was a little bit of an overlap, but there's also. I think this is really cool. If you're doing something half half-heartedly, you're not going to make an impact. There has to come there has to come a point where you say, you know what, now's the time. If I'm not going to jump yeah. off this cliff, nothing's going to go forward. I'm going to be you know, treading water, and I'll have this great idea that kind of is working. You know, it at some point the risk has to happen, you know. And and you see, it, it's very difficult to define that point. But and, and to some people, it's I need the salary. Or to some people, it's kind of, if I don't do it now, it's going to be too late for me or whatever that, whatever that deciding factor is, the risk at some point comes. Um, and, and how you mitigate that risk, how I did it was like, well, I'll go back to doing whatever I used to do or I'll find a job somewhere else. Um, but that wasn't what I wanted to do, which is kind of my, my 
headspace of safety net. You know, um, had, had you kind of prepared the ground for if this doesn't work out, then I've I've prepared myself a kind of soft landing just in case. You know, I have a network of people I can call on to get back into my old career, or I have some savings or that kind of thing. My savings, my savings by that time had all disappeared into making this work. Um, so I really had no no sort of financial safety net. Um, you know, I didn't have the option of family or that, that kind of thing to to, to lean on. Um, I think for me, I, 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 I kind of tricked myself, I guess, you know, that I will use my network and if I have to go back, I will find a job and, you know, but I think you, you have that, um, I didn't know what I was going to do. Um, I was working in, in, in South Africa where, where, you know, sort of an aging white man on radio is just not, not, not an employable uh, prospect, you know. Um, I'd never been in radio management, so I couldn't really kind of gear up to that. So I, I must admit that the, the kind of part of it that, that, drive to keep going was that yes i had a network i could go back to but um actually chris sorry well, i'm rambling slightly but but i think part of it was that when i started this and i came to rotterdam there was such a big brouhaha back in my own country about wow look what he's doing this is amazing kind of you know that to admit failure to that would have been so much harder you know so there was a lot of driving force behind me to kind of make it work you know um but i i think i kidded myself on, on the I'll go back and do what I, was, I used to do or I'll find something else. Um, I didn't want to find something else. So I kind of lied to myself and said, it'll be okay if it doesn't work out and just pressured myself to make it work. One of the things that I struggle with um, day to day is when you wake up in the morning and you've got this idea for something you're working on. With me, it's normally a book project or something like that. And it's just, you, you kind of get a little way into it or you get a certain way into it. And then you wake up one morning and you're tired and you know you look at your bank balance and there's not much money in there. And you think, oh, what is the point? This is never gonna go anywhere. This is all hopeless. How do you, how do you keep the faith when those I, kind of thoughts come up? I, I would be lying to you if I said, I, like, I, I, I suffered from my first two years, major depression. I mean, like, like I could not get out of bed. I mean, there was at one point where I had, I think two or 300,000 euros, I had nothing. Um, and, and no, I'd fallen out with a partner. It was, it was just disastrous. I couldn't get out of bed. So, so I, I, I've had those moments. And I, I've got better at handling the stress because life carries on regardless. That, that, that's, life doesn't just go, you know what, you've got debt or you haven't got money in the bank. Don't worry, we'll just stop for a moment. It carries on. So I think there's a certain element of, well, if I don't do something, nothing's going to happen. Um, I... I hear you on, on the books. I, I have five or six half-written novels that I've got. <laughs> that I just haven't got. To. All I want to do is be a writer. That, that's my kind of my end result. I try drive myself to the point where I, where I could just. That's where I would like a lot of money, so I could sit back and go, "You know, if these novels fail, it doesn't matter. You know, I'm okay." But I, I think as the business has grown, I've had other people around me that can pick up the slack, and I think that's that's the important part. And learning to rely on them and just say, "Look, I'm I'm having a bad day, or I'm I'm actually I'm just." consumed by this i can't i can't move and and they will take it for, for the next day or two and then i'll get myself back up and i, I think it happens less and less now you know as, as we become slightly more successful or i've just got used to dealing with it with the size of stress but i i think the the, the there's a there's a whole um, thing about, about procrastination is 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 such a major part of depression because you you feel incapable of doing something and you know like like it just answering a text or having a conversation yeah. is just exhausting um but you have to force yourself sometimes it sounds it sounds so easy when we talk about it you know but you have to get out of bed even making the cup of coffee is a step you know and i, I think it, it's just my maxim now is just keep moving forward 
and, and, yeah. and that's what, yeah, and it's, it, it works for some people. It doesn't work for other people, of course. But for me, it worked. If I'm just taking the next step, there was a great meme that, that went around a couple of years ago about the um, the Navy diver. I can't remember. It just talked about making your bed because if you've done that, you've accomplished something. And that resonated so much with me that I now make my bed. You know, I never used to. I'm 45 years old, but at the age of 40, I'm sure. If I don't make my bed, I haven't. At least I've done I've done something, and, and that was to me the biggest. I mean, that, that's quite a big deal, actually, for, for me. That resonates so strongly because, you know, you look at, there's a, we have this kind of image of successful people, people who found companies and stuff like that. And you always think, I, I'm not one of those people because I, some, I struggle to get out of bed. I struggle with procrastination. Sometimes just even answering the phone is just an impossible, you know, impossible thing. And I, I still deal with that daily. And But just to know that, you know, you can keep, building something you can keep moving forward if you can just force yourself and sometimes it is just about brute force i guess about just getting I mean, up if, and getting it done if you can find the energy to do it so i i fully i my i mean just on my personal level my my, my energy goes up and down with the, the company or my own finances you know if, if i'm if the company finances are down and we've got payday coming, I'm like, i feel myself I, I i i live and die by those numbers my my, my energy does you know um so it, it, it's difficult and everyone has it, 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 it and I don't, we're by no means alone in it, but I, 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 I speak and meet to, with successful people all the time now um, because of where we're kind of moving and we're doing, we're doing a very big sort of play into America at the moment. So we speak to a lot of seemingly very confident and kind of, you know, um, you know, very wealthy kind of people. And, you know, one of my partners said to me, like, how do we, these people know so much? How do we know, like, kind of, I said, they didn't get there by not doing anything. They learned. And, and I see that now as a challenge to learn. Whereas before, I would have had such major imposter syndrome that, that I kind of, I'd be waiting to be found out. And that would be almost crippling, you know, in, in so many ways. Same with writing. You know, I, I think it, it's kind of, no one else is ever going to enjoy this. Or no one, you know, it's just, you know, kind of, it's imposter syndrome because no one else, not, not very many people are writing. You know, not many people are doing podcasts. You know, kind of, it, it, it's not an easy thing to do. Everyone will say, "I want to do it." I've always, I, 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 when I started this business, people would say to me, "Oh, yeah, I had that idea ages ago." Yeah. Think, yeah, but you never, you never did it. You know, you never made it work. You know, I, I talk about writing. You know, because I, I, there's, there's a passion. But I'm just, oh yeah, I've got so many ideas for novels. Well, where are your novels? You know what. I feel I've accomplished something because I've started something. You know, I haven't finished it, but I blame that on my Sagittariusness. But you know, it, 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 it's the fact that you've started means you're ahead of the pack already. And if you can keep just pushing forward, that's the thing. You know, because everyone has ideas. Everyone has, you know, oh, I thought of that or I've done that, but they haven't executed or taken the next step into action, and that's it. I think that the, the, I think as, as humans we suffer from so many cognitive biases. You know, I. I when I when I first I, I mean I've self-published a couple of books, um, which when you've actually done it doesn't seem like that big a deal, but until you've done it, it seems like you know an impossible. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> but I mean it's it's like but as soon as I've done that, I'm surrounded by people who've written books, yeah. and I and then suddenly I'm thinking, oh well, this is it's no it's not anything special. When I started a podcast, suddenly I'm surrounded by podcasters, and I'm thinking everyone does a podcast, and I'm I'm lost. You know, when you're when you start a company, suddenly you're in a, an environment where you're meeting other people who started companies and those kind of things. But do you think I, I did a, a very a, right at the beginning of the podcast? I interviewed a, a chap who'd gone from um, Toby Smallpiece. He'd founded Gun Brewery in the UK, and he'd gone from telecoms. He'd made millions, yeah. and decided telecoms wasn't for him. He was going to start a brewery, 
had no idea how to start a brewery. But the more he got into it, the more he started to, in more spiritual circles, they might start, they might say things like, when, once you set your mind on things, the universe will conspire to make it happen. But actually, he, he was getting more into the scene, if you like. Yeah. And so things were starting to fall into place almost by magic because he just happened to be in that environment. You know, he was he got talking to people and somebody suddenly said, oh, I know a graphic designer who can do your logo. Or I know someone who knows about, you know, um, plumbing who can fit out your facility and that kind of thing. And it's almost, almost like magic, you know, but the truth is you're getting more juiced into the scene, I suppose. Yeah. Do you think when you were you know, you were in your shed and you're building that first prototype and you were starting to get slightly more involved in, in that kind of world and people were getting more interested. And then you started to get invited to these kind of events and conferences that that was a kind of motivating factor. You know, when people started taking interest and you were more juiced into that, that scene, whereas if you'd just been doing it as a loner on your own with no kind of, you know, involvement in any kind of environment, relative environment to what you were doing you would have kind of stumbled a bit and not got where you are today i totally agree i, I kind of almost um you know in a sense slightly narcissistically just sort of said to myself if i can show this to people i'm sure they'll be pretty amazed and and that'll that'll give me the next step up and then i'll, I'll kind of you know so and i just did it in, in, in sort of bite-sized chunks and, and when you i think when you are recognize this not, it's not when you stop moving in those circles there's a certain amount of credibility that then then you have and then you become a bit more kind of confident in, in what you're saying and i'm also a great believer in, in, that everyone I, I think has some sort of paralysis of, of you know kind of like i'm not good enough from you know and, and if you treat it slightly like that and you're sitting around the table and thinking cool i might not know much but i don't think these people you know there are people who are insanely good at what they do and are very dialed into it but i only needed to pick up bits and pieces of that for what i needed for my business so i, I kind of i didn't have to be the authority on plastic and water i had to know how to capture that plastic and water so I, that's the part that i took away from them. you know I, I used to be quite intimidated by it but now i'm, I'm sort of i i pick up what i need to pick up out of it a bit, a bit like a magpie you know but I, but I think that that builds your own nest you know that that kind of um, you know and then when I, I used to get horrified when people started literally copying the ideas that we were coming up with you know and, and saying oh you know there's a ton of um, stuff out there that people would copy our text on our website. They wouldn't even have a yeah. product that so it does this. And, you know, and you just get so irritated, like, uh, kind of, how dare, and I was, you know, that's, that's, that's cool. It's actually, it's fine. You know, we need more players in this market anyway. It kind of legitimizes what we're doing. The fact that they're stealing our text just shows that they don't have anything. And I, I you, you grow slightly more confident, I think, in, in the space. Of, like, the, the, the brewery reference, I think, is fantastic. Once you're in it, you kind of, you start becoming an authority, you know, and I think that's that's what it is. It, it's as long as you don't let that, that that sort of imposter syndrome go, you know, I've only been doing it for a year, whereas these guys have been doing it for 20 years and you can doubt yourself. Um, but you do become you become your own authority on it. And that, that I think sort of lifts you. Yeah. Do you think that, that that helps you deal with those days where you can't get out of bed and you're procrastinating? It kind of gives you a bit of a pull to actually take action and keep going. Um, I, I think so. Yeah, it, it, it does, you know, because I, I've now got myself to a level that I think, well, if it all went apart, I'd still be an expert in this kind of domain. So, you know, that's something that I, I would not have had five, six years ago. And this domain is, is growing. So I, I kind of, um, my, my safety net, as it were, sort of like sort of been raised slightly. Um, 
I, I don't know. I, I'm very hard on myself, so I don't know that the the, the out, outside sort of influences matter to me as much as, as, as the, perhaps they should. I need to motivate myself a lot of the time. I need to say, come on, get out of bed. You know, I've been on holiday for two weeks, and I, I sat in my car outside the office the other day when I came in, and I was like, you know, this is kind of um, I've got to motivate myself to come in. And once I was in, I was fine. But but it was it was the the drawing in a breath going, okay, good, we've got to go and do this now. And there's there's a lot going on here, you know. I've got to pull it all to be the puppet master above it. Um, and sometimes, yeah, I could go, sometimes we don't know what's going on. You know, we have to pretend we know what's going on or admit that we don't. And, and I think that's the harder part, you know, kind of it, it's, it's that, that, like to say, I don't know what's happening here. I need to pull in somebody else in my team to come sort this out for me or, or help me understand it. And I've got better at that. I got to identify my, let's say, like, don't get better at your weaknesses. I, I just, I plug my weaknesses with people who know better. Yeah. I, um, I spoke to a friend of, a friend of my wife. He runs a, uh, he's a CEO of a quite big company in the UK. And uh, we met up with him once. I said, what's, what's your marketing strategy? And he said, I don't know. I've got someone who deals with that for me, you know? Right. And yeah. that's, I guess that is how you manage such big complex ideas. You know, you don't have to do it all yourself. You just need to kind of keep the, the forward momentum going and the vision and that kind of thing. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a hard part there in, in allowing others to do that for you um, and, and giving that space away, which I'm not very good at. I've always been quite sort of, I want to control everything. But you, I think you get to a point where you realize that actually you don't, I, I don't need to be an accountant. We can employ accountants. You know, I, I don't need to be a marketing guy. I can come up with marketing ideas. What about that? What about But that, then I can hand it off. Um, so it, it sounds potentially cavalier to say, well, I don't know. But someone else is, is handling that. And the business is working because they're handling it. And I think that's a level of trust that you have to get to. That's difficult though, isn't it? There's a certain amount of letting go of your, your baby, if you like, yeah. that's yeah. kind of vital for its success in a way. Um, you know, cause we all, the Buddhists will say, you know, suffering comes from attachment and all that kind of stuff. And there yeah. needs to be yeah. some kind yeah. of. That's exactly it. If you, if you let it go. I think if you let it go, but it still is your baby, you can, you can reel it in when you need to. Um, yeah. and so, that, that's not what I want. This is the wrong direction, you know, but you also have to trust that, 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 People know better, you know, in certain areas, and, and and as long as you're at peace with that and comfortable with it, I think that that's how you grow, you know. Um, so I'm working with um, some, or hoping to speak to some people coming up soon who are involved in the space industry, and they they got into this knowing nothing about space at all, and just started going to conferences and that kind of thing and speaking to people, and th and they went in being the kind of um, the least uh, clever people in the room, and that was their kind of starting point, and now they've they've got themselves they found themselves on the world economic forum and they're there with some real heavyweights and they've met some real hostility um which kind of not knocked their confidence a little bit because you're, you're there with these kind of you know international money people who know what they're talking about and have been in the you know they've done this their whole careers and you know for them to then get up in front of these people and push back and say actually no we've got to you know we're serious here about our proposition did you ever find any of that when you were kind of getting into the scene that there were people who were kind of saying, what do you know? Who are you even? You know, what's going on? I find it fascinating that we're in, we're in a, a sort of like a innovation tech and, and sustainability and the amount of, especially on the sustainability sort of protection of, of territory and, and, and that kind of thing, I, I, I find phenomenal. I kind of, you know, we're, we're one solution in, in, in a thousand that are trying to do good things, you know. Um, I think I find a lot of pushback on, from the NGO side because we're a business and not an NGO. Um, 
my philosophy on that is that we make money in order to do better and we just pile that money back in and we make better products and the world gets better for it so we're not going out with a, a begging bowl or a sponsorship kind of thing because that, that takes as much effort as running a business um i found i found um for, from the, the the academic side i think we found a lot of a lot of pushback and a kind of we would sit at conferences and, and you know and i would read notes under reddit you know of something that we posted or you know and people say oh it's too small or this will never work or you need a thousand of these and yes you need a thousand of them that's quite right you know that's that's the whole that's the whole idea you know you need millions of these things um but and i found myself responding to them all the time because of the kind of oh that's too small or it's this or it's that or kind of it won't you know it won't and i've so so originally i was kind of replying to all these things and then i just let it go because i know what our vision is I know what we can do. And if I allow all those other sort of like doubters to come in, then I'm not going to get anywhere. And the truth is, it's not, it's not easy what we're doing. A lot of things that we do are not easy, you know, and people, it's a lot easier to throw. I was watching the Eurovision Song Contest this week and found myself for the first half hour going, oh, they're rubbish. Oh, they're terrible. And I thought to myself, well, hang on a moment. They're doing three minutes of live TV with spectacular fireworks and whatever and singing and doing this thing live once I'm not doing it. You know, if they hit a few bum notes, that's okay, you know. So I, I, that, that's my, my, my thinking now is it, it's very easy to be down on things or push things or try and protect your territory. Um, and people will do that, it's, it's, it's human nature. But if you listen to every single one of those, you'll never get anywhere. And it, again, I'm, I'm sounding like I'm sort of, I just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm free of all that, but I'm, I'm not, but I'm better at handling those kind of, um, when someone says to me that won't work, I'll say, well, or, or we've tried it before. I say, well, maybe the way you tried it didn't work. This is how we're going to do it. And yeah, so it, it, it's, I, I approach it differently now to try and not let those doubters or, or those kind of, that there's a level of arrogance that, that sometimes, you know, for people who've been in the industry for a long time that comes through uh, and can knock your confidence. And I, I, I think we're on the right track, you know, and if I'm wrong, they're right. That's fine. You know, do you think there's a kind of required amount of self-awareness to, to understand that, you know, if, if I listen to these people, then it will, I, I won't be able to do my job because I'll be, I'll be in that kind of negative mental space. So I need to be careful about what information I consume, who I, you know, what I do on the internet, who I hang out with, that kind of thing, because I need myself to be positive and focused and all that kind of stuff. I wish I could get off social media because I think I think that would, would enable me to do 10 times more than I do at the moment um, because I think that's where I spend most of my time and I used to be obsessed with competition like look really kind of oh they're doing this and they're going to get ahead of us and we you know they're going to get funny and we're not you know all of that is completely dead they're tracing the same dream that we are they're having the same struggles that we are and, and eventually I thought well if I'm looking at what everyone else is doing I'm not going to move forward with what we're doing you know and but we know what we're doing we know what we want to do if that's the wrong thing then we'll be proven wrong um I I think it, it, it it's yeah it, it, it's hard to do I, I think it's hard to ignore what's going on around you because and, and you're self-doubting and you know if somebody says something or oh, you're crap you're like yeah I thought I was so you know you spotted that you know kind of but you can't you can't allow yourself to be pulled out you know I think it's there's somebody again using the writing analogy and I don't mean to be like you know not everyone is going to read what you've written it's, it's not possible. People don't like the genre you're writing in, people don't like the whatever, you know, so you can't please everybody. You've got to please the, your audience that you're going for, your customer that you're going for, your target that you're going for. And if you ignore all of the, the rubbish around it, then you should be okay. 
Um, yeah. And I, I, I try my damnedest. It, it's not easy, but I try my damnedest to ignore everything else. Don't look at the competition and focus on what we're trying to do. I think that someone, some wise person, I don't know whether it was one of the kind of Zen, Zen masters from back in the 1200s or something, or it could have been Joe Rogan, I don't know. But someone said, um, you know, if you knew how little people actually were thinking about you, you wouldn't worry so much about what people thought because people are just busy getting on with their own stuff, dealing with their own problems. And they might write something critical on social media, but five minutes later, they're off to the next thing. It's, it's not a big deal. So you need to really keep that focus. I mean, do you have any tactics? I, I, um, I started keeping a book of poetry next to the bed so that I'm not drawn to my phone first thing in the morning and last thing at night. You know, I'll, I'll read something that puts something a bit more positive into my mind. Do you have any techniques like getting an early night or meditating or, you know, cutting back on your coffee or anything like that that helps you to stay focused? Cutting back on my coffee would be my first prize, but I haven't, I haven't enabled myself in that respect. I started waking up at five o'clock in the morning. I thought that, that was quite... Um, it's a time where it's very quiet. And I, and I think, you know, I think a lot of people who may suffer from depression find that other people's energy draws up your energy and you, you go flat very fast. If I, I know my, my house doesn't wake up till 6.30, 7 o'clock, um, I have two hours of my own in that time. And I find that incredibly energizing. I won't, I mean, I do look at screens and I do look at, you know, and I, I occasionally meditate and get my app out and, and, and do those kind of things. And I find it incredibly grounding when I do do that, but I don't do, I've, most of the time I'm just sending emails out to people and trying to get back and catch up with the world. But I find those, buying those extra two hours in the morning sets my day up incredibly well because I've covered myself already. I've achieved, I've made my bed. You know, so nothing happens after seven o'clock. It doesn't matter. I've, I've sent out 10, 15, 20 emails and I've kind of, you know, I've, I've set, I've set the, the, the action in motion. Um, ignoring other people, I just want to come, you, you, made a, you made a great comment there. I, I sat in a car on the way home last night and I, I tried to pull into a lane and, and then realized somebody else was behind me and I pulled back quickly. I thought, oh, they must think I'm a terrible driver. And then I looked around and I'm surrounded by, and literally, <laughs> I'm surrounded by 40 or 50 cars. And I thought to myself, did I notice that that guy did something wrong with that guy? No, I didn't. They didn't. So why would they notice? You know, they're not thinking about me. They're concentrating on their own stuff. So it, it kind of, to go back to your comment, you know, how little people actually think of you. Um, it's so important because you are so, the, you, know, you kind of, you're almost trying to put a magnifying glass on, on yourself and certain people are looking at me, but they're not. There's billions of people on this planet. They're not, you know, they're, they're, they're they're not worried, and I think that's quite that's quite freeing. You know, it's it's. I often think to myself when I'm walking through a crowd, "Do you remember that person that did that?" No. Well, then they don't remember you either. So it's okay. You know, that that kind of mentality, and I I I, I use that often, um, because people just don't think of you that often. No, absolutely. Where is the? Because um, what you're doing is very difficult. It's requiring you to put a lot of challenges on yourself a lot of pressure on yourself you're dealing with your your own inner demons you're also dealing with you know big big issue you know this this kind of idea of waste in the water you know you're trying to run a business start a business keep a business going where is the joy and the satisfaction where do you get the kind of sense of this is all worth it from it's, it's twofold um i invented something that didn't exist before 
that, that's incredibly joyous. I look out of my window here in the boardroom and we've got five of our sharks sort of practicing what they're supposed to be doing in a swimming pool outside. You know, I remember the days when we didn't even have one. Well, I was in the swimming pool with a shitty prototype that I built. So that's immensely satisfying. We have 20 people working for us who all get paid every month. They have a job because I came up with an idea and they're now working on that idea. You know, they, they wouldn't be doing this if I hadn't have sat there and had a cup of coffee and gone, I wonder how I can solve that problem. That's immensely satisfying. And I don't mean that in any narcissistic way. It's just, I, I sometimes sit here and go, wow, I'm, I'm surrounded by these intensely clever people who could be working anywhere, but they're working, they're working with me, which is quite cool. And they have a salary, they're buying houses and paying for their cars and their families and their school fees because of me. That's quite, you know, not because of me, but because of the idea that I had and I took action on it. That's, that's immensely satisfying. And then every time one goes out the door, one of our, one of our sharks, um, we write a little note saying that the, the shark is actually, it's yours, you're the customer and you'll use it, but it's actually one of our team members. We've put this together to go and do something in the world to, to make it better. So please look after our team member, please use that team member. And I, I, that, that is satisfying because everyone that goes out the door is going to do something. You know, it's a little robot that's going to go and capture plastic waste. And the more we put them out there, the more plastic waste will grow. And I, I find that satisfying as well. So it, it's, it's, I should be saying, oh, we've created this amazing business and we've done this. It's not, it's those small things, you know, that, that we pay salaries at the end of the month that we continue to send these things out the door. It, it's, that gives me immense satisfaction. Was there ever a time where you were just so daunted by doing something bigger than you? you just thought no i can't i can't do this i just i just it's too big um no i think again, again that naivety played a, a huge role in it you know i just i just took little steps if i could just get here if i could just get investment if i could just find a sales guy who will come and sell so if i could just find distributors you know it was so it was all those little steps that kind of added up to to, to the if i had looked at it right from the beginning and seeing where we are now the pain, the the months without salaries because you're paying everybody else, or you know, kind of the the the, the personal pressures on your home life and, and family. Um, I don't think I would have done it, um, and I think not knowing that has helped me get through it, you know, and deal with stress a lot a lot better. Um, but I, I I think the the idea of no, I, I wanted I, I thought we had a solution here that could help, so it didn't daunt me. I just wanted to get that solution out to as many people as possible. Um, how we got there, you know, I mean, that's a little more pragmatic, but, but it didn't, I wasn't daunted by, I knew I could find the right people to make it happen because I'm good at putting teams together and finding the right sort of, and I, I knew that about myself. So I, I wasn't daunted by the kind of the effort to, to make that happen. Um, I mean, it'd be kind of, it'd be daunted coming to work because we, you know, in the past where we haven't paid salaries for a month, like, and you know, thank God we, we, we have such a low turnover rate here that, that people have stuck by and they understand it, you know, and thankfully those days are kind of behind us. But those, those have been the daunting moments, having to look people in the eye, maintain a positive attitude, but also know that, you know, owe oh, you a month's salary and, and you've got rent to pay. That's been the personal kind of harder stuff to carry. Yeah, that's that's difficult. I mean, it kind of brings us back a little bit to that starving artist thing. When you're when you're on a, a mission, I mean, what, was there ever a time where you thought about turning this into or doing it from a kind of non-profit point of view, and you know, sacrificing your own quality of life? We, I mean, you've already done that from the sound of things. But you know, going forward, you know, the the people, some people in some parts of the world look dimly on people who make a salary doing something that's good. 
yeah. you know they, they think that it should be done as a kind of worthy noble cause and you shouldn't be able to you know have a car or you know, <laughs> pay for your family for <laughs> the roof. Yeah. Uh, and you see, it, you see it a lot in the charitable sector. I've worked in in with charities, and people, you know, when they, they get professionals coming in who are paid a good salary, they get a lot of criticism for that. You know, but I, I see that as well. I mean, CEOs of, of NGOs kind of get paid what a CEO of a big business would get paid very often, but they have the power to run that NGO and bring money in in order for that NGO to, to, to continue. So I'm I'm a little bit of a, a capitalist at heart. So I, I kind of, I wanted this to be a business because if it's a business, we'll push ourselves harder. If it's an NGO and we're not paying ourselves very much, we're like, well, anything we do is, will be good, you know? Um, if it's a business, it's, it consciously good. It's got to it's got to continue to be good, and it's got to grow. And I think that's part of the we're talking talk about pushing oneself all the time. That's part of my mentality that, that if I have twenty people to pay for, and I've got to make money, then we've got to sell more of these units. And selling more of these units is good for the environment. So I I, I was rather worried. And then this is I mean it's um, perhaps I'm not altruistic enough to, to to do the NGO thing, but I, I was worried that the pressure would be taken off. If we did it as a charitable thing or an NGO type thing, it would be, become secondary, and I'd have to go and find something else to to you know actually sort of finance my life or, or pay for you know those the the bare, the bare minimum stuff. So I, I think the business side of it has kept me going. Um, yeah. I've never really I've never really looked at going. Oh, can we turn this into an NGO? Because I think then I would not not admit defeat, but admit defeat in myself. I go okay, this hasn't worked. Let's just make it something charitable while I go and find something else to do. Um, for me, the drive was to make it work um, from a business point. That sounds like a kind of personality trait. I, I remember having a conversation with my mum and uh, as my, when I was much, much younger. And she said, you know, when there was a difficult teacher or a difficult challenge in front of her, it, it drove her to kind of prove that teacher wrong or to, you know, make it, um, you, you know, make it work, be a success. Whereas I'm the opposite. When I see a big challenge, I kind of tend to shrink away and go, oh, I can never do that, you know. Do you think you need those things like the responsibility of paying people, the responsibility of living up to your customers' um, demands? Do you think that kind of helps you get over those kind of inner roadblocks a little bit? It gets you out of bed in the morning because, you know, it's not now. You, you, you can, the times when I haven't been able to get out of bed for months, um, you know, it's all about me and it's all about kind of, and I know I've got a family, and I have, but it's all kind of inward when someone else is relying on you to, I know what it's like not to get a salary, you know? So when someone else is relying on you to pay the salary because they've done their job, they've put in the 30, you know, 25 days, the hours, um, they need paying for that. And, and that is motivation for me to go, I can't sit around here and go, I'm really worried about this or I'm daunted by that. I've got to make something happen. Um, and that, that I, I use that as a, as a stick for myself um, because I think otherwise I would have shrunk back and just gone and just crumpled, you know? Um, so that's yeah. I also say when I, when we had two or three hundred thousand euros to one of our innovation partners, I, I the motivation to just get rid of that that debt was enough to get me out of bed. You know, I didn't want to. I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I knew I had to do something, and that, and that I used that as as my personal stick on myself. Yeah. Do you ever feel like you need to give yourself a bit of a break because there are there are a lot of sticks that you're using on yourself. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not very good at not working. <clears throat> um, and the, the depression was interesting because it, it, I was so infuriated at myself 
for not having the energy or the wherewithal to make it happen. And that, that's a horrible spiral to be in as well. Like, you know, I've got all these ideas. I should be doing that. We owe this money. I've got to get, and, but, I, but I can't physically move. And, and that is just like, but you've got to do something. You have, you know, you've got these voices in your head. Um, I, yeah, I, 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 that there are a lot of sticks, but I think I've got I've got better at taking that 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 responsibility on because I'm because I'm in it. You know, I, I think I, I I always say that the people who aren't doing any work won't do much work for you. You know, busy people are busy. You know, and and it's sometimes hard to get busy people or, or, or people who are out of work into work. You know, just from a mindset point of view. Um, so so I I try and keep myself busy. So relaxing is is something that I'm terrible at. I'm like I'm. I'm I'm just, I want nothing more than to lay on a beach and read a book, but my mind won't shut up at the moment. So I'm kind of almost driving myself to a point where I can allow myself that, um, that luxury, I guess. Yeah. I, I spoke to a um, entrepreneur early on in the podcast series and we talked about, because I, I'm full of ideas, but or too many to choose from. And that's always been the problem for me. It's like, I, I could, I'm interested in this. I, you know, I've never had a, a clear focus on one thing. I'm interested in podcasting. I'm a writer, I'm, but I'm also interested in design, computers, you know, social issues, all this kind of stuff. And I don't know where to turn. And like you, she said very early on, there was the one idea that would not go away was the one that she ended up sort of making her career. Is Was there a kind of, I've, been to many kind of places where people have accepted their lot and they've kind of said this is where my family grew up this is where I'm growing up people like me don't do things like this we don't become founders we don't kind of change our where we live we don't move out of this kind of predefined space that is is now part of my identity almost was there ever a kind of sense of like good people like me I'm a journalist I'm a writer I work in in broadcast I don't do things like this I don't you know this is not me this is not who I'm supposed to be you know how can we break out of those kind of limiting beliefs I think um look I think firstly what you do is incredible there's not many people who can do what you do you know it, it's it's not it's just it's, it's, it's you have to be a very particular type of person to be able to um to, to get to to be able to do what you do um I think I, I had the benefit of where my dad is incredibly, he's an engineer, incredibly stable, just wanted the kids' school fees paid, wanted, you know, so very kind of just very lovely guy, but just wanted to make everything okay, you know, kind of just be make it safe. My mother is an artist and, you know, paints all day and, you know, kind of wanted to do this, a big, a big dreamer, <clears throat> a bit like myself. And I didn't want to be like my dad. <clears throat> Excuse me. I didn't want to be like my dad in the sense that, that I wanted to be safe. I wanted to do bigger things, but my mother dreamt, but didn't always execute. My dad didn't dream, but executed on what he wanted to do. And I think, I think, I think I learned from both of them. Um, so I, I never, I never sat back and said, I can't do, I, I shouldn't have been a, I had a radio, one of the biggest radio shows in, 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 in South Africa at one time. I should, I was a little kid from, you know, I should never have had that, but I got in there and I did it and I kind of, you know, and I, I sort of found my way into it. And, and, yeah, there's. I've had so many stories in my life, I guess, of where I've been not, not successful, but I've done things that I shouldn't have been able to do, or my parents have gone, "Wow, I didn't know you." you know. Um, and it's not, it's not lack of fear or anything like that. It's just that I, my my headspace is, yeah, why why can't I do that? 
you know, um, like you, I have a thousand ideas and I want to go in every direction and, and kind of, you know, and this, this one just happened to be, it didn't go away. I thought it was pretty cool because if I could just start talking about it, people would think that's cool and that would start the, the conversation. And I've been fortunate enough that it's a business that, that sort of progressed, that it's kept my interest. And I think that's the other thing as well. You know, it's, I, I get bored very easily or kind of, oh, okay, done that and I'll move on to the next thing. This, this one just keeps progressing. So normally my, my standard was doing something for 24 months and then I'd be, I'd be bored uh, and wanting to do a thousand other things. This is just, there's so many things going on here that it's, it's managed to maintain my interest and my, my desire to, to continue. Um, I, I think sometimes when, when, when you're, and I, I get the sense that when you're very intelligent, you you feel you are capable of all these things, and, and and you know, and you want to do them all. But the problem is that if you do them all, you do them in very small, small amounts, and then and then it's not good enough for you. You know, you kind of you, you've you've written a book, but you know, or maybe that's a bad example with you, but it, you you've done something, you've tried it, and like, yeah, I kind of I kind of tried it, but fully tried it, so it didn't really work out, and I'll go on to the next thing. It's, it really is, I want to talk about that, that the moment of jumping off the cliff. It's immersing yourself in that one particular thing and having to say no to everything else around you because you just don't have the, the, the capacity to, to do all those other things. It's, I think that's when you, when you can get really successful. I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. I want to get to the point where it's been run by other people or sort of, you know, other people come into the business and I can go and sit on that beach and write the novel that I've always dreamt about and it can fail horribly, you know, I'll self-publish and no one will ever buy it, but I've achieved it, you know. Um, so that's my, I think, um, envisage, uh, having a vision of these things and an image in your mind. I know a lot of people have um, sort of vision boards. I, I have moments in my life that I want to get to. I, I stupidly, uh, I wanted to, there was a really big talk show, radio show in, in South Africa and I wanted to be on that show telling people, telling the host what I was doing. Again, slightly narcissistic, but I, I wanted to sort of like, that. I thought if I could get there, then that's pretty cool. I've achieved something because they would have wanted to speak to me. And I would have done all this stuff in order for them to want to speak to me. And I've done that now. And I, I, I visualize that in my mind. And there's, there's stages where I see myself and I visualize my, 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 my sort of self. And it, it's, it's kind of... Um, a little bit arrogant or whatever sometimes, but I think sometimes you need to do that. You know, I think you need to have that kind of, oh, I quite like that. If somebody approached me to talk to you, or I would like to go on a book tour because, you know, that means I've whatever, whatever that, that, that thing is, it's been recognized for what you do. And I think that kind of feeds, feeds into it, you know. Yeah, there is a sense of kind of what you want and what will it look like when you, when you get there? You what know? will it look like? Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what's, What's next for Ran Marine then? Where, where can you see things growing and getting bigger, and uh, you know, developing from here? I think I think our next step is is to go big. So um, we've 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 done everything we need to do on the product side. Um, we now really need to scale this, and that's what I'm sitting around a table of nine or ten chairs, and that's all we sit around talking about all day is how do we make this bigger so we can make a bigger impact. Um, so we're launching into North America now. Um, trying to get into the third world and really make a difference there. Um, but it requires a lot of scale and a lot of big thinking again. You know, we, we, we've been quite focused on the product. Now we want to focus on the on this outside world and how we can really make this impact. And, and that comes with its own problems and challenges, but also quite an exciting journey, I think. Fantastic. And and if people want to find out more about Ran Marine, where's the best place for them to, to go? I would suggest ranmarine.io. Uh, um, we couldn't get .com. <laughs> Still got <laughs> 
Uh, Ramarine.io is, is a great place to go. We've got, we've, we're on YouTube, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram and all the all the normal socials as well. So uh, yeah, please come check us out and, and uh, say hi. Well, fan- fantastic. Thank you so much for a brilliant and very um, honest conversation. I, I really appreciate that because it's, um, you know, there's it's just good to know that there are humans with human issues running big, th- you know, doing big things. And that's, I find incredibly encouraging. So I'm ever so grateful for that. Chris, thank you very much. I really enjoyed it as well. And uh, yep, you make it very easy to speak. Which I think <laughs> thank really you. Fun. That was a brilliant conversation with Richard. So empowering and encouraging to know that there are people out there changing the world, starting companies, realizing dreams who aren't superheroes, but are people just like us who are finding ways to motivate themselves to keep on building and growing despite those inner obstacles and roadblocks. People like us can do things like that. Okay, so sorry about any of the background noise there. Um, this is the nature of doing these things. We're speaking to people in offices. I, you know, I, you probably hear my little girl screaming in the background sometimes during these podcasts. This is the human aspect of doing these things. We're not in the BBC television centre here. We're in, uh, you know, we're out in the world, in the real world, and uh, doing uh, good stuff with what we've got and where we are. Um, okay, so to find out more about Ran Marine, head over to Ran Marine. Io. And if you want to carry on the conversation, just head over to our Facebook group. Uh, just search for Conversations on Living. Similarly, don't forget to rate, review and subscribe wherever you get this, whatever platform it is, Spotify, Apple, wherever. And if you want to find more episodes and find out more about my books, my writing, uh, I've got some free meditations there as well. Head over to conversationsonliving.com. Okay, that's it for this week. Uh, look forward to seeing you next week. And in the meantime, have a lovely day.